Hey everybody and welcome to the 10th episode of DCI. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I got to talk with Jesse Martinez and Ian Kinsey of Semiformal Studios. They're currently working on a MMO RTS RPG-ville game uh, that's set to uh, to go into open beta here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's a browser-based, uh, persistent online, free-to-play game. So we had a really great conversation with them talking about the, the studio and talking about the game uh, and just all the different aspects of it. So we hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to find out more about Darkstation, you can do that at darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that. We are darkstation underscore com. Also, if you want to subscribe to us. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are the Dark Cast. And while you're there, give us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And uh, and also you can find us on Facebook. We are DarkStation.com. And finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at DarkStation.com. Don't forget, we've got some free games that we want to give away. So if you would like one of those, just send us an email. Ask us some questions. Tell us your thoughts about the show. Give us some ideas for who to interview. We would love to hear from you. And of course, if you want to find out more information about Semiformal Studios or Ensemble Online, then you can check out the links below in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. On with the show. talk about Sean Connery. We're, we're here to talk about Ensemble Online. Uh, but before we get that, uh, get to that, I just want to thank you guys for being on the Darkcast and say welcome. Yeah. Uh, so who are we talking to? So my name is Ian Kinsey and I am the director. I usually do pretty much kind of the higher level stuff, marketing, making sure we're on timelines, making sure we're working on the right stuff. And we also have Jesse Martinez here. He's the art director. Okay. Yep. Jesse. <laughs> I direct the artists. I tell them what to do. They listen. It's beautiful. <laughs> so you may hear some occasional laughter and commentary in the background. We are at the office, so it's Jesse and Jesse and I here, but we do have uh, the rest of the team kind of doing their thing in the background. So when we hear people laughing, it's because they know that you're lying. Is, is that lying through our teeth? Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> good deal. Good to know. Um, okay. Well, uh, could could you guys just before we. Um, kind of get more into the, the meat of the game and things. Talk a little bit more about uh, what each of you do at uh, Semiformal Studios. Sure. So my day-to-day looks pretty varied compared to everyone else. Um, I could be, it's basically, I do whatever is needed. So my overall thing, the thing I do on a regular basis to semi-consistently is kind of make sure we're on track and make sure that we're meeting our overall goals. So that's getting the word out making sure we're triaging things appropriately. So if, if there's bugs, we're working on those. If there's features, we're planning those out and making sure those are happening. Basically making sure we're moving quickly and we're moving in the right way and we're doing the right things in addition to helping get the word out. So kind of specifically what that looks like is I'll be kind of working on uh, tailoring our marketing, um, who we contact, um, how we get the word out via ads, um, how our search engine optimization is going, um, how our community is forming things like that. And so I'll also um, talk to the developers and make sure that they're working on the right things, they're um, doing them in the right way um, to meet our goals. 
Um, and, you know, also I'll give occasional input um, to Jesse on where I think we should go with the art. Um, and, you know, if I think things are taking too long, I'll tell Jesse, you know, um, you know, keep an eye on that, make sure that doesn't take too long. Um, and just general stuff. Occasionally I'll get my hands if I have time and the down and dirty and I'll do actual code or I'll write some of the web pages we do, but usually uh, more of the high level stuff. Um, and then Jesse. Yeah. Um, so a day to day for me is I'm usually drawing something or is that, was that a shot? You're like, I'm actually doing something. I, I'm, I draw. I'm actually drawing something. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy yeah. art directors. <laughs> a lot of what I do is make the stylistic choices that go into the game. So what the player sees, I've spent you know hours, days, actually almost years, figuring out how I want those to look. Um, we go through revision after revision after revision, and I get to nitpick all day pretty much at what the other artists are drawing. Um, <clears throat> I help out a little bit with the management, um, a little bit with uh, training and finding new tools for us to use. Uh, we've built our engine in Flash and Ian has the back end in PHP and MySQL. And so I've had to figure out how to rig all these characters on screen and I work together with code to make sure it all works because this is a, a it's a browser-based game, so mm -hmm. it's not a one-time you know giant download. You go to the website and everything's just streaming right to you. Uh, so that's pretty much typical. A lot of the stuff that a lot of the stuff that Jesse and I go back and forth on is he'll nitpick about the art and he wants to make it be his vision and make it the best it, uh, we can, which is a good thing. And then I'll come back with, well, uh, this is taking too long or we need to get, you know, we need to get this out as soon as possible. The players want this. And so that's kind of the uh, the back and forth between Jesse and I on a daily basis. And the same thing happens to the developers. Our lead developer, Ken, is in Florida. So uh, uh, and he's actually usually eating dinner around this time. So that's why he's not in on this. But I have the same back and forth with him just what you know what's taking too long or what we need to focus on or you know what what the players want what the market wants stuff like that a lot of the times i will come up with these like just crazy ideas like oh i think this spell should do this <laughs> it should be five seconds long and ian's like well hold on <laughs> he once had an idea for a spell that you can actually travel backwards in time and it resets the game state i'm like this is an mmo you realize that <laughs> How man that? that would piss somebody off real quick <laughs> so, uh, so how would that even work like, I mean, would, would that just not work at all? Or... I think what they're saying is that it didn't work. Well, I, I know that it didn't work. <laughs> I'm just asking how it, how it theoretically would have worked. It theoretically could. I mean, theoretically, if you wanted to reset the game state, you could. I mean, there's two problems with that, technically, and this is going to get kind of nerdy. One is that you'd have to save every possible game state for every player um, and possibly deal with some permutations there of how they interact with each other. Um, and I think the logistics could be managed, but then the problem it would be it'd make the game shitty. I mean, you'd have uh, half the players being jumped back to where they were, not knowing what happened because someone across <laughs> the map casts a spell. And even if it's a localized thing where, okay, everyone around you gets reset, it still seems like it could seriously frustrate the players in addition to having to store way too much data at any given moment because it's not like you can retroactively go back and figure out where they were unless you were storing that in the first place. So mm. talk about tripling, quadrupling the amount of stuff we're actually storing at any given moment. But theoretically, it's doable. <laughs> okay. Good to know. So, All right, now, now day to day at Semi Formal Studios, are we talking uh, sports coats, ties, and shorts, or like t-shirts and slacks? It depends. So 
uh, I'll give you kind of a broad uh, of what we all wear. Uh, I'm right now wearing an ensemble online t-shirt, and this is just coincidence. It actually wasn't for the interview, coincidentally. But usually I'm just in either a t-shirt or just a button-up. Jesse is usually in a sleeveless shirt for no apparent reason. Um, <laughs> Meg is usually wearing pajamas. Uh, Meg's one of our other artists. So you're really, you're really stretching the semi-formal part of this. <laughs> this is this is where you'll find it interesting. If you look up pictures of us at E3, you'll see where the semi-formal comes in. Because sometimes we're formal, sometimes we're not. So at E3, we wore tuxedos. And we, we when we do an event, we like to be overly formal. And that contrasts <laughs> our, that contrasts our day-to-day. So it bounces out to be just semi-formal. Okay, so i got to look big picture. So if I right, so say semi-formal I, I, is the average. Like yeah. <laughs> That's our median uh, formality rate with our clothes. <laughs> I like that. Okay. I like having to look at things. Now, you know, from the really description cool. that you guys gave, it really sounds like a lot of you need to put on some pants. I'm glad this isn't a video podcast, so we're just going to move on. <laughs> it's not a video podcast. Every, you know, pants would be overrated. Make would be kicked out of the office if it was a video podcast, that's for I'm sure. In, I'm, in, I'm not in pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> she has. Uh, she is upset. What do you guys do? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so where are you guys actually located? Where is where is semi formal? So we are in Fresno, California. It is about halfway, roughly, between LA and San Francisco. Um, it's actually, I think, the fifth biggest city in Fresno, but or in California, but no one's heard of it. And that's because we're basically just a giant farm town, and we have. I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere, basically. I mean, we're around like places like Clovis and Madeira, and no one ever heard of us. But um, it's weird because the tech uh, scene here is relatively, well, relatively, it's extremely minimal. Um, there's kind of a revitalization movement going on right now to kind of uh, harbor that and cultivate it, the uh, tech community. But right now, it's in Fresno, it's all ag and industry. There's no tech. There's no web companies. Um, we are probably one of the, uh, I definitely wouldn't say biggest, but one of the coolest <laughs> tech companies here. Uh, definitely one of the only video game companies anywhere nearby. So, um, I mean, ever since Sierra Online um, went out of business, uh, I mean, there's not really any gaming places around Fresno or in the Central Valley. They were from Ochre, so that's about an hour from here. Hmm. So if, if I'm looking at this map correctly, I believe if Lex Luthor's plan had worked in the original Superman, you guys yes. would actually be on the coast now. So. Uh, that that they, plan they made Otisville. no sense, though. I mean, let's <laughs> be realistic. That plan was not, not going to work. I, mean, <laughs> I always get frustrated with how terribly they portray super smart villains like Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. they just, it, it doesn't work out. No, no, yeah. That, I, <laughs> once you... I don't know, get through, I guess, physical science in, like, 6th or 7th grade, you're, you're going to go, wait a minute, hold on, <laughs> that that doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so, so how many guys do you actually uh, employ at Ensemble? So, um, or not, Ensemble, at, at Semi-Formal. Semi-Formal, well, I'll go over the team. So there's there's me, there's Jesse, the art director, there's um, Carla is kind of our administrative assistant, she does... Helps me with marketing stuff. She helps with art assets, things like that. Uh, kind of takes the burden off a lot of our plates, um, running errands and things. Um, Megan, she's our character artist. So she does a lot of the promo art you'll see. She does a lot of the in-game um, customizations and items for the characters. Um, we also have Ken Rayleigh, who's the lead developer. So he kind of, his, his strong points are definitely optimization. 
he used to work for Amazon doing their video on demand services and he kind of got into games and so we kind of snatched him up between projects and never let him leave um, and he, he's really great at a lot of things uh, but his some of his specialties are um, a lot of the server end stuff scaling to handle a lot of users and which is obviously important in MMO and then our other developer is uh, Michael Trussler and he we call him the Canadian Colombian because he's a Canadian expat living in Colombia and as he says writing games for the Americans so uh, he uh, he does a lot of the bug fixes, new features, and things like that. Um, All-around good developer, uh, great guy. Um, and that pretty much is the core team, but we have a lot of other people who work for us. Um, we do contract work with some other people. Um, we have uh, Brogan, who's kind of our QA tester slash um, art asset manager. He helps us import things. He's one of the guys Jesse's training, and he does a lot of the QA for us. Um, and then we have people who would just help out here and there, you know, the people who come in and help us import assets or help us test or help us kind of uh, get data on things or send out emails, just the people who help out every every now and then, you know. So, and that's pretty much us. Very cool. Um, and how long have you guys actually been around? So, uh, it depends on how you phrase it. Jesse and I have been working on Ensemble. We started kind of just doing it in our free time um, about five years ago now. Um, develop, we, everything was developed from scratch, so it took quite a while to get everything in, but it was probably for the best. Um, the systems we have are kind of new things um, that definitely in Flash games have never been done before, but even in just online games in general, some of the stuff we're doing is pretty unique. Um, so we built everything from scratch. All the art is our own custom art that Jesse developed and refined and refined and refined. And so about 2011, we founded Semiformal Studios around the game Ensemble Online. Um, started picking it up, um, started hiring people, getting our website out there, uh, you know, getting alpha testers, then beta testers, and now today we have our whole team, um, you know, we have uh, the game online. Um, as of today, uh, we just opened up the open beta a few weeks ago, but as of today we have about 800 testers, hmm. or not testers, uh, you can call me either way, it's an open beta, so they're players okay. slash testers, um, and we're picking up, as of right now, and even the you know, the velocity is accelerating, but we're getting about 150 new registrations a day. So, and I, I definitely anticipate that picking up uh, more and more and more. Cool. So. Um, now, you said it kind of depends on how you phrase that. Uh, one of the things on your website says that uh, you've got several industry uh, vets on the team. So, what's some of the stuff that you guys have worked on prior to um, Ensemble and forming Semiformal Studios? So... Um, a lot of us are industry veterans, but a lot of us are also kind of amateurs. And so, um, for example, the stuff I've worked on, I've worked on some games, um, some Facebook stuff, social games, some um, online uh, kids MMOs. Um, basically, my background is in web development, and I kind of okay. got into games from there. made games myself so a lot of my industry background comes from web development so the servers the databases and the interfaces um specifically michael has worked on playstation games i think he worked on iron man if i'm not mistaken um and a few others i don't actually remember what all he's worked on but we chatted about it a while back um, he's worked on a few good titles um ken has worked on a few things for different companies um he did some stuff for second life um he's done stuff for a couple other smaller companies and like i said um uh, Amazon was a pretty big, I think, in his um, in terms of his back-end experience. Mm -hmm. And then we have a lot of people who are just kind of doing this. This is their first thing, but they're doing, you know, 
they obviously this is what they were meant to do or this is definitely where their talents lie. And so, I mean, after we start, formed the company and started picking this up, I mean, Jesse can speak more to this, but he started doing this as his full-time thing. And before that, it was really just focused on school, right? And yeah. so, um, and I mean, this shows in my mind what people who put their mind to stuff can do with formal training helps, but taking that and making kind of putting all your effort into one thing, you can see, especially if we show you kind of some of the differences in the art, how Jesse has taken the original idea and just blossomed it into this. A lot of the buildings, a lot of the new assets look just really amazing, especially in comparison. And so um, Jesse, without any formal experience on other games or anything, kind of took this and made it his own and made it great. Uh, My training actually has just been gaming. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that definitely does help. I'm playing um, a lot of games. I've been playing since I was four. So, I mean, 20-something 20, yeah. 20 years of playing games will... You hopefully you put your eyes on a lot of art. I mean, yeah. you put your eyes on a lot of gameplay features, and it starts to take its toll. Um, you start to spot things, yeah. um, and even our other artists. You know, Megan um, was doing. What were you doing for this? Embroidering or something? I was working for the number one Western underwriting uh, fashion company. In the so she did fashion clothes. She, she did fashion clothes. Um, you know, Hence the pajamas. As opposed to clothes that aren't fashionable? <laughs> uh, for writing, right? For, for... West, That sounds dirty. <laughs> I guess I guess it's called Western pleasure writing, but it's horse riding is what it looks like to me, and it sounds less dirty to call it that. So. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, and she, she does really amazing art. If you've seen some of the promo characters on her website, those were all done by Meg a lot of the in-game uh, items and things were done by Meg. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we have, you know, some veteran in us, some amateur, and a lot of just unique ideas. And that mixture, I think, has uh, been proving really, really awesome so far. Awesome. Awesome. Now, we're actually here to talk about Ensemble Online. And um, so I guess, you know, we can get to that now. And I, I want to run something by you guys real quick. And that's, that's a new genre that I think this falls under. And yeah. I think it should be called... Mmo Ripitsville. MMO RPG RTS Ville game. But you have to smush it all together. Yeah, Bill ties it all together. Pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. And it, it, the frustrating thing is trying to try marketing that to someone. They like is anyone out there looking for an MMO RPG Ville? Like, no, no one's searching for that on <laughs> Google, so it's really hard. But yeah, that, that is pretty accurate. Sweet. All right, I, I, I'm done now. I, I can go home. I, I, I won, so. Uh, wait, I am home. Never mind. I, I wrote that uh, as a joke in our notes, and that, I'm glad he used that. That was good. But, but really, like, like, so an ensemble is kind of a group that's viewed as a whole. Um, how did you guys name get to that as your name? Um, it, it just fit. I mean, ensemble encompasses, you know, an, a musical ensemble is, is about all these instruments working together and that's kind of how the game is i mean we have rpg rts sim strategy social strategy. like yeah i mean it's pretty good it's a lot of different aspects i mean definitely one of our early inspirations was um kind of age of empires and that i mean that was made by ensemble studios so the term seemed to really ring true between that between you know what jesse's saying about all these different things coming together to form an ensemble and so it just kind of stuck, and that was kind of a name we've had since we started the project. It just kind of, it kind of seemed to work, and then it just kind of stuck with us as we went through. Okay, I get, I get, 
<laughs> All right. So how how so how do you describe this to people without without showing them anything? Since you know, obviously this this audio podcast is such a, a visual plethora for the eyes, or you know, like we're out there with it. Um, yeah, and, and without saying Ripitsville game. Yeah, no, you can say that as much as you want. Well, yeah, you can say that, but <laughs> then you have to kind of explain it. So or pay it's... me either one. It's good. <laughs> It's not easy, I'll tell you that. I mean, we've, we went to GDC back in March. And that was kind of our first uh, outing as a group to kind of put the word out there because we were getting ready to open beta at that point. Um, we had our booth at E3, and so we've kind of had a lot of people we had to explain this to, and we've kind of started out just trying to describe everything, like you were saying, like, MMORTS RPG Ville game. Like, yeah, it has, you can do this and this. You realize people don't want to sit there for that long spiel, and they aren't going to get it anyway. So it starts out, we got to figure out what you're into because we can't. I mean, if you're an RPG player, you don't, you might not care about the RTS. If you're an RTS player, you might not care about the RPG aspects. Uh, you might not care that it's an MMO. You might not care that it's social. You might not care about the diplomacy, you know, or the economics factors of it. So we have to figure out who you are, what what are your interests. So we kind of, I guess, initially describe it either as a, depending on how much of a gamer you are, either as you know a city building game or a sandbox MMO RTS with RPG aspects. If you're more of a gamer, and then we kind of gauge, you know. So if you if you played a game like World of Warcraft or if you played StarCraft or Age of Empires, and then as we gauge kind of who you are, you know, we can do that in five, ten seconds. Then we say, okay, well, this is like, you know, an MMO version of StarCraft, you know, or this is like it's like Age of Empires, except you can explore and build cities right there in you know, on the map, so you can affect the map. So and you can just kind of describe it from there. There's so much going on on here that we really have to kind of tailor to who we're talking to. Um, because, like I said, a lot of players, and this is our definitely our very, uh, this is definitely our niche that we we shoot most towards the people who they they see the same vision that we had, and that's this this Age of Empires ish game, right? But MMO, it's on a persistent map, this huge map you can explore and build wherever you want, and then you have your hero, and that's where the RPG comes in, and that that's the core concept. And people who get that, they get every every word that comes out of our mouth because they it rings true to them. But it's the you know other sixty percent of people or whatever that percentage is who we have to kind of figure out who they are and how to describe it to them. We just kind of talk about the different features that are relevant to them, and then they kind of get it from there. But really, until people hop in the game, they just they don't fully understand the scope and the nature of it until they hop in. And so we try to invite people to play, and it's easy to get into. I mean, it's free to play, and it's in the browser. You can be in in twenty seconds. So okay, now I got almost everything you were talking about. Except for the RTS part, how how are you guys doing that? Are, are you pulling are you pulling people out into a separate mode for that? Is there like where's the where, explain that to me? Okay, break that down for me because I got everything. Everything else sounds awesome. I, I like the town building. Okay, you got me. That's it, we're, we're following that. But the RTS that always seems almost more kind of like separate to most things, and there's not a lot of MMO RTSs out there. Right. And the thing we found is that a lot of people who claim to be MMO, MMORTSs, you know, the Ebony's of the world, they don't meet a lot of the criteria that we think we meet. And even then, I mean, some people are going to wouldn't consider us that just because they want, you know, Rome Total War, you know, MMO or whatever. They have something in their head. Right. But yeah, so the way our RTS stuff works is you start the game, you have your hero. Right. You can go around, explore the map and it's, you know, programmatically generated terrain. And so you may find a lot of you know, resources in one area, you may find none for 20 minutes if you just happen to get really unlucky, but you explore for resources for different terrain that you might like, you gather the resources, um, and then you start building your city. So 
as of right now, the RTS aspects center around territory control. So you find really good resource nodes and you kind of capture them so no one else gets them. Um, you build this city and there's different buildings that do different things. There's a market that has a, a real-time trading system that interacts with the other players' markets. So for, you know, kind of the big quote, the quotes, um, we have different buildings you have to build to get certain resources. Um, and those are useful for upgrading your buildings and building teleporters um, that kind of get you from point A to point B, which uh, moving around the map is definitely a big thing too. Um, that also ties into our diplomacy system. So uh, you can ally someone and your mutual allies get a lot of kind of rights to your stuff. So they can use your teleporters, they can use, they can harvest your farms, they can gather from your mines, um, but obviously your towers won't attack them so they're safe in your base. And so that diplomacy is kind of the core of the metagame. People will build kind of these uh, teleporter networks to get around the map. Um, and then you can use those if you're their allies. People either charge you to make them an ally so you can use them, or they'll, if you're an ally, you know, you just get that perk. And then there's the gathering. So let's say I build this giant plantation, you know, 100 farms, and I, I'm trying to get all, all the food in the game so that I can upgrade all my buildings. Food is used for upgrades right now. Um, it's hard to gather all that stuff unless you're sitting there clicking, clicking, clicking. And even then, if you have enough farms, you're just not going to be able to get through them all before they are ready to harvest again. And so what do you do? You get allies, and those allies can harvest them for you. And so there's a lot of metagame aspects where people either pay other players to do that menial stuff for them, they'll pay other players to guard their things or build their uh, towers and their, their walls, or they'll just, you know, their allies will all build a base together and they'll all mutually work together, kind of communally. And so one person, one person does this, another person goes out and gathers wood, almost ensemble-like. Exactly. You have an ensemble yeah. of people working together. And this is where that really comes together is uh, you have three different leveling systems right now. You have the building level system, you have the, uh, the gathering level system, and the combat level system. So you could be a gatherer who gathers 10 times more than everyone else and 10 times faster. You know what I mean? And uh, you could be a builder who builds way faster and your buildings have more HP and they cost you less to build because of your building stats. And you could be a comp, you know, just an RPG player who has a really strong hero in general. Um, and obviously that branches out into different spell, different classes, different spell types, different weapons, etc. But all those different groups, you need each other to work together. It's really hard to be good at everything. So you'll have the players who are really good at gathering. They'll fund the operation, and they they probably play the market. You know, they try to buy and sell the resources and try to monopolize different areas. You have the builders who build the really strong towers, the really strong walls to protect everything, and then you have the RPG players who, if you know, worst comes to worst, and people start trying to attack you to take over your in the resources you captured. Uh, they can defend you, and they can go out and, you know, find your enemies and, you know, hit them. So, like you said, an ensemble, and it all kind of comes together in that way. Now, with kind of MMO spaces, um, naturally they are um, kind of friendly and inviting as far as, you know, wanting people to get together, wanting people to group. Um, there's also a group of players that just don't want to be bothered. Um, is there a spot for them sillily enough in ensemble <laughs> yeah so we we definitely err on the side of making uh allowing you to be able to be that kind of uh player off on their own just kind of building or just gathering or just doing their own thing and so um a lot of it is going to be a work in progress right and jesse and i've talked about a lot of stuff we have to figure out how we're going to do these things how do you you know make it so that it's balanced but you can still play by yourself if you want to um but a lot of the defaults for things kind of work into that so by default um, your towers won't attack anyone unless they hit you first. And so you can walk around and see all these bases and they aren't just going to kill you the moment you spot them. Um, then there's just kind of the the real-time exploration, the kind of um, open map. 
the further you go out, it becomes exponentially less likely that someone's going to find you in the first place. So obviously, if you're building right next to the main town, um, you're going to be spotted pretty quick, and you're probably going to be hit by someone just statistically. If you walk out for an hour, uh, and it, you know, no one's going to find that exact pattern you walk to find that exact spot. And by that same um, note, you know, that's where the teleporters come in. So being able to move around is pretty important for that reason. But also, we err on the side of defense, and so the towers are pretty strong in the game. Um, upgrading them a couple times makes them pretty hard to um, to fight. And so uh, usually if you want to take someone out, it's possible, but that's usually reserved for the higher level players. If you're going to try to attack someone, you're going to need to be pretty high level with pretty good gear. Otherwise, the towers are just going to rip you apart. So we will have to come up with new things as we see how the players play, though. Maybe some ideas we've come up with, you know, a giant teleporter in the main town that puts you out in kind of your own area so you don't have to walk out there. You know, it says... Because some of those games, they'll already do that. They'll and I, we don't like that idea of just plopping you and saying build here. Um, we like the more open exploration, but you know, giving oh, absolutely, getting able to choose your spot is is, is super important and stuff like that. Yeah. And on on a related note, um, it's been interesting to watch how the players actually interact. Um, we've had periods where like one guy will just go on this giant conquest and just kill everything, but right now it looks like we're in a period where a lot of people are friendly and cool with each other. Like, they won't go up to your base and knock it out just for fun. And that'll probably last until one guy goes and, like, hits someone who's allies with someone else. Like, it's interesting. To, yeah. It's like Game of Thrones. You watch this thing develop and you know, <laughs> until exactly. someone messes it up and then everyone's going after each other, a cutthroat, you know. Someone corners the market so you can't build any more walls. Just, it's crazy to watch this stuff. Now, you mentioned uh, going out further and further. Uh, on the website, it says that there are 400 million tiles. Can you give us some kind of a perspective on that? How big is a tile? You know, how, how big, yeah. is, big is that? Is that like 500 WoW maps or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> so I'll run some quick numbers. But first, I think that number is outdated on the website. I think we doubled the map a while back. And so it's okay, actually there you go. 800 million, almost a billion. Uh, we, we doubled the uh, dimensions. It's actually exponential. So it's, I think it's oh. 6 billion tiles. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So um, basically, uh, your character by default moves 3.5 tiles per second. And so that gives you kind of some <laughs> perspective on how long it would take to see the entire map. Okay. Um, your line of sight is about 25 tiles. And so that's about one screen, right? 25 tiles in each direction. So it's about 51 by 51. Um, okay. So. If you were to try to explore the entire map and see every square inch of it, it would take you probably years, um, and that's doing it systematically. Um, you'd probably need speed buffs to do it, but <laughs> yeah, essentially, I mean, if you walk out for an hour, you actually, can... uh, one of the people on the forums they walked out for about five days, I think. <laughs> we had a quest on there: see how far you can walk out. And it's funny because he walked out. <laughs> what was it like five million tiles? Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lestat. He walked out five million tiles. Took him several days. I'm um, just in a straight line, not exploring, just going straight, like speed bus and everything, just running straight as far as you can. And it's interesting because it started like turning into like a, a psychedelic trip. Like the game started glitching at that point. The map can handle it, but the client, we haven't really tested going out that far because there's not, I mean, most people aren't going to. It doesn't make sense for us to use his our time. His character disappeared. His character started disappearing. <laughs> he started moving. Around. He could still walk, but his character <laughs> turned invisible. Things started like appearing in different places. <laughs> Sprites stopped showing on the screen altogether until it was just a blank desert. Like, it started getting trippy, and he posted kind of a log on it. Of he it hadn't off. stopped to eat for five days. You know, no sleep. The guy's going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, so I mean, it's it's a huge map. It's a huge, huge, huge. And if we have to, we'll you know we'll implement new mechanics to um, kind of ease that. Uh, you, you know, pe- if it gets overcrowded or get people out, like I said, a teleporter in the town or something to get people out. But even then, I mean, we already have a feature on our dark docket at some point to. Um, so after that 1.6 billion tiles, you can keep walking out past that. There's just no sprites. It's an empty mm. desert. So you can even build out there if you wanted to. Um, I mean, you could you could walk out five days and build a city if you want. But uh, <laughs> we'll probably so, city. I, I, I just I just did the math on that, and I I don't trust my math. I I went to school for for writing, so don't take <laughs> this as gospel. But if my math is correct, then it would take 14 years of moving at 3.5 tiles per second to have your character walk across every single tile. That sounds about right. So there you go. <laughs> right. So you've got you've got this huge world. Um, is everybody on the same server? That's one thing we're proud of. So I mean, when you said you know, does the RTS take you to a different screen or whatever? No, we want to we want to have everything be all together and kind of continuous. And we know that technically there's limitations with that. So once we start getting, to, we haven't hit a server cap yet with the players who've been online. We haven't started seeing it you know come to a crawl just based on player usage. So once we start hitting that. There's ways to scale it. We can scale up or use a bigger server. We can optimize the code, obviously. Once we start getting to that cap, we have to make a decision. Do we start going the hard route? And this is where we're leaning right now, where we still do one map, and we have to invent kind of really technical ways of using multiple machines that are kind of working in tandem to make that experience possible. Or do we go the easy route and just, boom, clone the server, pull a RuneScape or whatever, and you play on different, you know, different worlds or different servers that don't interact? Um, so that's the it's kind of precipice we're going to come up to eventually, where we have to decide the easy route or the cooler, harder route. So. Okay. Cool. Now, when I'm, I am you know adventurer senor. I I walk out. I, you know, I, I find my own little place. I uh, have my own buddies. Um, I can't be in. Obviously, I can't be in game world all the time. Um, what what's happening to my stuff while I'm gone? So this is where airing on the side of defense uh, helps mitigate the obvious issues. You go to sleep for eight hours, ten hours, whatever, and you come back ten, twelve hours later. That's a whole period of time someone has to attack your stuff. And so obviously you're going to want to defend it really well. You're going to want to have nice, thick, fortified walls. You're going to want to have guard towers that can knock people out. And we've also implemented things where, and we'll find more exploits as people start attacking each other more. But you know you can't set your spawn point near someone else's base. You can't. Um, you know, keep attacking someone over and over again. There's a cooldown time if you die. Um, mm-hmm. Things like that to where you can still keep fighting people and you just keep putting in the effort to kill someone's base, but, you know, anything where you could just, you could go AFK while fighting it or you could just repetitively keep hitting it after dying. Uh, we've kind of mitigated. So, yes, your base can be taken out while you're offline. Um, eventually, we'll have features such as um, text message alerts, things like that that tell you you're being hit. Oh, man. Some of them. It's like EverQuest all over again. Exactly. You, you get some ideas, too, where you can respond to text maybe with some commands about how you want your uh, your uh, your towers to respond or what you want to do about it. Um, but obviously, things like that to notify you are going to be important. Um, we're also going to implement a wanted system where if you are attacking somebody substantially weaker than you, um, you'll become more and more wanted. And then we have ideas where we want to go with that NPC people who hunt you down. A bounty system. Uh, exactly, bounty list where people can get rewards for killing you and finding you and things like that. So it'll be a learning progress, or learning, learning process, rather, um, as we see how the players interact with it. 
but erring on the side of defense is our biggest mechanism right now. Um, it would have to be a coordinated attack, I think, to wipe out a base with any sort of upgraded defenses um, while someone was sleeping. So how, how long do you think it, like, I, I, I'm just starting right now. How, how much time do I have to put in in order to have, like, you know, just a, a decent, real kind of low-level place that I'm not going to be scared of losing right away? Um, half a day or a day um, will mitigate most basic attacks, it seems like. Um, we really worked the numbers uh, as we went to open beta to make them a lot easier for newer players. We had kind of a way too hardcore uh, mantra in closed beta. I mean, it would take hours to build, uh, you know, a couple buildings. And so now, I mean, you go in, you start off with enough resources to build maybe a couple walls or a tower and maybe, you know, some farms. Um, you can gather, and maybe an hour you can gather enough to, an hour or two you can gather enough to build like a whole city. Um, upgrading that, uh, your, first, your first towers, the first towers and walls will defend you against most players up to probably level 30. So your average noob, they're probably not going to be able to just hit your base and take it out if you have a couple towers and you're covered in walls. Um, if you want to guard against the higher level players, you know, maybe 30 to 60 or 70, you're going to want to upgrade at least once on all of your things. And so that could take, you know, a couple more hours to get the resources necessary to do that. And you have to build certain buildings to be able to get the resources, you know, farms and Armile, one of our clay-like materials in the game, to be able to do those upgrades. So, like I said, about a half a day, three quarters of a day, uh, you'd have a base that you could be pretty safe against most players. I mean, if a level 150 comes and hits you, uh, there's probably not much you can do with a level 2 tower, but... You know, uh, baby steps. Not to mention just banding with other players and building bases together. That's true, too. That, that, that's huge. So, I mean, obviously, taking up the same amount of square space, if you have four people working on it and gathering for it, um, you're going to be able to build it four times faster and gather the resources four times faster and upgrade it, you know, a lot more strong. So, so, so how does the teaming up work, then? Um, obviously, it's since it's, you know, you can set it so that your base isn't firing at your friends. It's not just something... It's not a, a meta alliance that you're forming with people. It's something that the game supports. So how, how does that work? So, I mean, basically we have the diplomacy system. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, you can ally people or enemy people. <laughs> and so if two people ally each other, um, then none of their stuff will attack each other. They can gather from each other's farms. They can help to build buildings together. So you can both... Go like put down a tower, and you'll both start building it, and it'll build faster. Um, enemies, I think, right now are shot on sight. Yeah, like enemy towers. enemies are shot on sight, and yeah. you become an enemy if you attack someone. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that simple system is what's allowing us to do this. You can upgrade each other's buildings too. So if I if I lay down a, a tower, Jesse and I can both work on it, and then Jesse can upgrade it if he wants to using his own resources, and so. You kind of have this pooling of resources without actually having to give them to one person um, because you can all use it on each other's stuff. Um, I mean, and that leads to we've seen some people backstab each other. You know, someone will convince a bunch of people to come join their their little team and build a city, and then they'll all upgrade his buildings for him, and then he'll like you know enemy all of them. The towers will just kill him and kick him out of the base, and they can never come back. So we've seen some backstabbing. Um, you just want to be careful who you're working with. Basically, is what it comes down to. Now, you threw out a lot of level numbers. Yeah, it's real hardcore. Yeah. You threw out a lot of level numbers. Um, and obviously, that means that there's an experience system. Is this... It can't just be killing monsters that gets me experience. Um, am I able to get experience? Am I able to level up? You know, if I wanted to harvest wood all day long, is that going to net me in the long run, or am I going to be missing out? 
So this is where the three systems I was talking about earlier come into play. So we have three level systems. You have the combat one, which is you want to go kill wolves, panthers, tigers, you know, other mobs. Uh, other players even give you experience. So you want to go and attack other people, attack other enemies. You level up your hero um, in terms of combat. So that's where the becoming stronger, you know, you get more health, you get skill points, uh, you unlock new skills. That whole RPG system is that one level system. If you're gathering wood, you're gathering stone, um, your gathering uh, level will go up. And so combat, gathering, and building all have different levels, different experience systems, and different attribute points. Um, so the gathering attributes will let you, uh, you know, harvest more resources. They will make resources get depleted less often, which makes um, passive gathering. You know, if you go AFK and gather overnight, um, becoming become less tedious. And then you have the building stats, which essentially the more you build, the faster you build, the less the buildings cost you, and the strong, the more HP they have as you build them. Hold on, so, hold on, hold on, hold on. A lot of info I could there, a lot of info. gather overnight while I'm asleep. Or did yes. I or did so I make that up? We have a built-in AFK gathering system. Basically, no, that's exactly it. Basically, <laughs> how it works is um, one one resource node as you gather from it becomes more and more depleted, and so it, you can gather all night. And you'll okay. get a decent amount of resources um, just by virtue of gathering for a long period of time. But if someone goes and actively searches for new nodes and you know every ten minutes finds a new spot to gather from in the same period of time, they're going to gather substantially more than you. And you can actually well, tailor yeah, your strategy the way doing it, but the way you exactly the way you lot your attribute points can actually um, kind of work towards whatever your strategy is. If you're just going to AFK gather all the time, you can work towards that. You'll still be less effective, but you can actually allot your attribute points to make that a little bit better for yourself. Hmm. There's different gathering builds, basically. Exactly, yeah, different ways you can gather. Another um, kind of fun part about that is the nodes are randomly generated exactly. on the map and with random pull amounts. So you can get like a really, really awesome spot and set up a base around that. And that's that's where a lot of territory control comes in. So I mean, Mython, which is this crystal-like substance in the game, it uh, powers a lot of the technology. So the teleporters and things like that. Um, usually, you only get two to three um, of the crystals per pool. But sometimes people have found a spot that gives you ten or fifteen, and so those become very sought-after spots, and they'll put towers up and set up their base around that. And so I mean, like I said, there's that, that, that regens over time. It, yeah. it like the, those resources come back. That spot's not like ever used up. Yeah, so the spots they stay they're always there. Once you find a spot, it's always going to be there, but as every time you gather from it, you deplete it more and more and it takes longer and longer to pull from it. And so it becomes if you go AFK all night and you come back in the morning, it's going to be probably minutes between each pool instead of seconds. Um, you know, probably 4 or 5 6 minutes between each pool, which is a lot slower. Um, and if you leave it alone, you know, for maybe a day, then it'll go basically go back to normal. I think it takes about 18 hours to go back to not being depleted at all. So usually uh, you have to, you know, you one day on, one day off is usually a pretty good strategy. So some people will get a couple of nodes in their base or three or four nodes and they'll switch it every six hours or so. And some people will just keep wandering. They're more nomadic and they, they usually find the best um, some people gathering are, rates. They're even selling node locations. Yeah, they'll tell you, they'll tell you where the good spots <laughs> are. <laughs> yeah. The map to the stars. We might nice, have I like it. Add game uh, game mechanics for that. I mean, we we see so much metagame stuff from the players that inspires kind of in-game features, and we love that. So you said uh, a few minutes ago that uh, stuff is randomly generated. So is that just what's available at a particular node uh, can change from time to time? Because I mean, if it's the same, if everyone's dealing with the same world, that's not separate instances. Where does the random generation come into play on that? It so it was randomly generated when it was generated. So when the world was created, in okay, the second gotcha, day, gotcha. <laughs> the, gotcha. The 
been different okay. in Mac. Good deal. Okay, so that that explains that. Um, so w- one of the interesting things about the uh, the setting of this game uh, is that it is sci-fi, fantasy, survivalist, steampunk world. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't see this, or I would have come up with a you know uh, an amalgamation. <laughs> <laughs> what what is left? That that is all the genres that geeks care about. So and 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 how do all those things kind of interact and intertwine with each other? Romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Got a few places we can still branch out. Meg Ryan's not doing anything. <laughs> so actually, originally when we first first were talking about the game, I don't even know how we started, but it was actually going to be kind of World War Two ish. Then we're like, well. You know, maybe that won't appeal to everybody. Right. So let, let's go more sci-fi. So we mixed in like a little bit of Tron, a little bit of Star Wars, uh, a little bit of steampunk, uh, a little bit of like that Lotro kind of uh, medieval. Um, it's it's a bit of everything. I mean, you, in the game, you start out with these like wood and stone buildings, and if you keep at it, you can get all the way up to like Tron technology. Um, with your buildings and with weapons, you'll actually start. It'll look like you're actually in the movie Tron. Eventually, you'll start having laser towers and crazy oh, wow. metal walls and stuff like that. So, so is is that just from? Uh, is that kind of a, a? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. Is that a representation of how long you've been playing, or is that the more you upgrade certain buildings and things like that, they start to take on more futuristic parts? It's an upgrade. And so, I mean, eventually okay. we may go with more of an Age of Empires-ish system okay. where you go through, you know, phases and you have mm-hmm. to actually unlock that phase and that's what changes all the buildings. But right now it's kind of a more fluid system. You upgrade, gotcha. you know, your towers to become that way. Okay. And Good. It's, all, it's, it's, it's modular. So, like, you can upgrade one tower all the way up to Tron and then have, like, this little <laughs> stone thing next to it. <laughs> well, you got, you got to set your priorities. <laughs> I want Tron, damn it! Yeah, exactly. Now, with with the with the sprite, kind of the the sprite the sprite sprite. sprite yeah, I'm spicing and spriting and the, yeah, with the sprite based um, kind of art and the almost uh, kind of animeish look. Um, how much like customization is there for somebody who's kind of into that? Um, is the is the equipment that you know can can you build equipment? Is that stuff visible? on you, you know, kind of like paper cutout likewise, or I, I, I'm just going to keep rambling. So yeah, stop me and answer. <laughs> really picky about if you equip something, it better show up on your guy. <laughs> Fantastic. I like that answer. Good. Okay. That, yeah. I, I, I actually, I, uh, I played probably a couple months ago, the new um, uh, Marvel Heroes uh, online. And that was one of my biggest complaints is the fact that they built a, an MMO where I can't show off any of the cool stuff I got. Brian, uh, that's terrible. Brian, we've been doing too many interviews together. I yeah. knew you were going to talk about that. <laughs> this is this is good. This is building a chemistry. <laughs> Pretty soon, we'll just be stopping each other and going, "Did you ask that? Oh, oh I thought you asked that." And then, yeah, you know, that's the the down the downland. <laughs> Jesse loves his jump buttons. He's addicted to them. I don't. So we can jump too. Can we swim? Is there water? I want swimming. I want jumping. 
Maybe even it's flying. a desert, so not right now. But if Jesse has his way, there will be <laughs> flying, swimming, jumping, fishing, it's whatever. I support all of those. So <laughs> just just so you know, I'm. Is it all flat? Is there kind of like a you know like like mountains or anything like that, or it's all kind of just kind of desert desert? We've been kind of talking about Jesse's been throwing his ideas about how we can do it. It's a balance of the artistic, aesthetic, and programmatic kind of considerations. Um, it's possible, and Jesse's throwing around some ideas for it. But right now, everything's pretty flat. Pretty soon we might have some of that kind of StarCrafty-ish kind of two dimensions where they have kind of it's kind of eye tricks. You have the things that look like cliffs and you feel like you're climbing, but technically it's all flat if you look at it. Mm. Um, that's probably the first step. Eventually there will definitely be um, varying terrains, terramorphing, you know, height bonuses for ranged weapons and towers, things like that. That's all on the docket, but it's all about priorities. Absolutely, cool. Tron first. Everything else, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, okay. So we, we've kind of talked about what you could do in the world. Um, we, you know, the, we know that there's kind of a time thing going on as far as as that goes. Um, how does the free-to-play stuff work into this? Okay, so right now um, we don't make any money. <laughs> um, as of I think in the next couple business of business was not high on the list, was it? <laughs> <laughs> higher than the business considerations. Um, we've we've been focusing on getting the traffic first. There's no reason to sit there and say, oh, let's how can we get money from people? There's 12 people playing, right? So first thing it focused on um, is getting the traffic. And now we're seeing that, you know, 150 registrations a day and climbing rapidly. Um, and now in the next couple of days, the cash up will be in. Meg has been working on new uh, gear. Jesse's been working on some kind of logistics for getting that gear onto the characters. And then, um, you know, our developers have been working on uh, actually implementing the cash shop. So in the next couple of days, most likely, it depends on when we actually put the patch online. We have to test it first. You'll see the cash shop. And so game we believe strongly in this will be fully free to play with just the option to purchase things and we as gamers ourselves and as a small team not controlled by you know a big corporation who's like more money damn it we we very <laughs> we're very attuned to keeping the game balanced you know if it makes us you know a dollar more per player you know we're not going to kill the game to do that um we'll balancing the items that you get from the cash shop we can't make it pay to win that'll that'll just kill our our audience and so we don't want that uh, a lot of the stuff you see will be vanity. There will be actual equipable, you know, gear, weapons, armor that you can purchase. But we will always make sure to have equivalent gear that you can get regularly in the game. Um, and we also balance, um, you know, you can't just make a level one character, buy a hundred dollar weapon, and then go kill all the level hundreds in the game. It scales with your character. Um, the weapons do, and um, so a lot of the stuff basically is uh, you'll be able to get. You know, different things, maybe things that give you build speed bonuses, things like that. But um, at the top of our priority list is making sure that none of that stuff kills the gameplay for the free-to-play players. Awesome. Okay, so function almost functioning more like like a like a tip system than than really kind of going out there to gouge people. Exactly. That's excellent to hear. Yeah. Um. So so how does kind of the you know making this game for browser? How is that played into it? Um, why, why go with browser over you know a more traditional platform like um, a console or the App Store on iPad or Steam or Desur or something like that? Um, been done before, to be honest. Um, if you look at the Flash games out there, you're going to see things like Farmville, Ebony, etc. And to be honest, having been a Flash developer before and having done a lot of web stuff, um, even non-Flash um, websites and web applications, 
it, it's kind of depressing to see that the technology never really got into its own. It's capable of so much. And at, it may not, it's, it's fairly impressive now, I think, what we have. But once we start optimizing stuff, um, you'll really be able to see how it shines. Um, I mean, it'll function basically as well as any desktop MMO. Um, obviously, proportionally only, obviously, we're not doing 3D graphics or anything. But, um, you know, if, if World of Warcraft or any other game can handle 60 or 100 or however many people uh, on your screen we'll probably be able to handle a similar number of people we've done tests to confirm that so mm. once the optimization is there you fix kind of whatever the peak performance issues are um there's really no reason not to go in the browser for us we wanted a cartoony game um the browser handles that well um and it's easy to get in i mean you click a link you register and you're in the game it's that easy you don't have to download a huge client you don't have to worry about uh you know uh registering and dealing with web and you know desktop stuff at the same time all the stuff will be in the web so if you have to you know, hint, hint, put in your credit card info to help support development. It'll be all that right there in the browser. If you want to check out the forums, you know, you just open a new tab, you click a link in game, and it opens a new tab for you. And then the game's right there. And it's, you know, you play on any computer. You don't have to worry about uh, downloading something on each computer. And, uh, you know, it, even the way we've developed it, um, I, I don't want to say 100% sure, but I'm fairly confident we can uh, port this over easily to other devices, iOS, Android, etc. Cool. Um, so, what what have been some of the uh, the limitations of that? Obviously, you know, working with a, a browser streaming things is, is very different than downloading a client and playing it on the system. Um, how I mean, obviously, don't don't get too technical with it because you you may make our brains hurt. But if you can <laughs> kind of uh, go into that a little bit, it's I mean, to be honest, it hasn't been that bad. There hasn't been that many okay. issues. Um, honestly, the most Obvious ones are trivial. Um, Right-clicking in the browser, um, kind of stupid. Um, some browsers didn't support it. Some browsers, I think, certain versions of Safari might still not support it. I know Opera doesn't. Um, but getting trivial stuff like right-clicking to work. Um, other than that, it's actually been more beneficial than not. I mean, performance has been pretty good. Uh, that's the biggest concern is, you know, okay, you're not on the desktop. Can you still get that same kind of stuff? And um, I mean, the communication layer is all the same. It's all using sockets, so it's real-time communication. You know, um, the graphics and the way those are done, it's all done using Flash, and the tools are pretty robust for the kind of stuff we're doing. Is um, there a, is there a, is there like a preferred browser for the best experience? Um, we like Chrome, Firefox works pretty good. Don't use IE, please, for the love of God. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, and most of our most of our uh, traffic follows that anyway. I think. 60%, 70% of our traffic is Chrome, another 25% is Firefox, and marginal percent is, you know, IE, and then the rest. So um, it's been pretty pretty much spot on with what we what we hope to see. But yeah, I mean, the browser has been actually great. It's I love the ability to be that easily accessible and that kind of integrated with things like our forums and our website. Um, and the downsides have been very minimal. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than developing for a desktop game for sure, but um, so far so good. Oh, yeah, that, that um, does sound very easy. I, I don't have a lot of experience with like a, with like other like browser only games, but um, definitely, especially coming towards the holidays where you'll kind of be moving around, I could see how that would be uh, be something oh, yeah. to really kind of grab hold on, and you know, you could travel with it, and you don't have to worry about lugging around like a big, you know, your big bulky gaming machine. If you, it's something you could do, you know, quite easily on something else. Definitely. Um. So. Can you kind of talk about, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to have some misconceptions and some misgivings about 
games that are one free to play and two in browsers. Um, and you often hear the the moans of the quote unquote hardcore crowd when you start talking about that genre, you know, that platform. Um, so can you kind of talk about what the response has been from some of the more hardcore gamers that you've been able to to wrangle in, and also what you're doing to kind of fight that? Actually, uh, the response from the hardcore crowd has just been nothing but praise. And surprisingly, they've been our biggest... Yeah. We've been trying to figure out how to get the non-hardcore crowd. <laughs> 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 nice. awesome. Hardcore gamers on right now. <laughs> These guys, I mean, they'll... So, I mean, average person's going to have maybe a couple thousand resources. These guys have hundreds of thousands already. Some, some of them have millions, I think. And that's in, they've gotten in a matter of weeks, you know, just... Some of them are level 125 already. It's only been open for a few weeks. It's just crazy. Maxing the system, the, the yeah. true hardcore excellent. What we're trying to do is we're, we're basically making a game for ourselves. This is what we want to play. So even if nobody else plays it, we're, we're going to be playing it. I, I want to find the ways to get the casual gamers in here because what I think anyone who plays this will immediately, immediately realize, any hardcore gamers, that this is the game they want to play. It's the casual people who don't might not realize that this is... A casual game uh, as well so the afk gathering um the ability to just build on your own and not worry about other people attacking you um it'll depend on how we implement things like that to make it more obvious to people um and we've thought of different things like making different uis for different you know subsects um, maybe some of them are top down or you know some of them after the game differently and maybe we filter some of the ui so they don't get so overwhelmed but Overall, it's trying to figure out how to, you know, the Farmville crowd, you can do similar stuff to that in here, and I think people in that uh, in that niche would like it, so it's trying to figure out how to get them that across to them. The hardcore RPG or strategy game players, they take right to it, and they understand, okay, I can go and level up, I can get gear, I can, you know, find you know different skill trees to branch through, I can build my cities the way I want, and they get into the hardcore stuff pretty easily. Gotcha. But, I mean, that, kind of to your original question, there is kind of, I think, that um, initial misconception that, and it's because of games like Farmville and Ebony, they're so, so, so casual and made so much for the kind of um, less hardcore crowd um, that if it's a browser game, it can't be hardcore. And we staunchly stand against that um, in that it's all gameplay. It's not a matter of technical limitations. If you make your game, um, you know, have those kind of uh, more crucial features for the hardcore players and some of the stuff where they can really go to town and, you know, level up crazy and get awesome gear and kind of grind on things the way they like to do. On another note, there's no level cap. Yeah, that's another thing to mention. Yeah. We, we, we are very staunchly against hard capping things unless we have to. Uh, we rather leave it open and um, I guess you can call us libertarians and just see how what we need to do to <laughs> mitigate the issues. Um, you know, let the players kind of work their magic and then see where we need to step in uh, is kind of our mantra. So a lot of the stuff has no cap in the game so if you want to work towards being the the best rock grinder in the world there's nothing that's ever going to stop you from that no i mean you could be level 700 theoretically i mean it gets harder and harder obviously so i don't anticipate anyone getting past level 200 maybe but you can keep trying <laughs> as maybe you say that there's somebody setting there sorry it's going, i'm gonna get I'm, past I'm 200 <laughs> Right, that's that 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 sounds pretty cool. I like that kind of open-ended nature of it, and right. not having not really stepping in to, to dictate as much as just almost mediate what's going on. Exactly. We were also pretty open-ended when we designed the attributes and the skills. So there's like I think 15 or 17 attributes you can specialize in, like speed, health, 
max health, health regen. Yeah, I mean, you can really get nitty-gritty of how you make your character. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, now, do I have to do something speed-related to get speed skill points, or do, do, do I earn that by doing other things? So, I mean, those all those attributes are in the combat section. So as you level up and kill things, um, you can basically, I mean, if you want to go all HP regen and you have nothing else, but you regen <laughs> super fast, you can do that. If you want all move speed, you can do that. If you want all dodge rate, you know, or mana regen, you, it really breaks down into every possible nook and cranny of what you could do, and you can put all your points into that one specific thing if you want. And kind of to that same end is there's no classes in the game, really. Um, you start the game, and you can award your attribute points and uh, unlock your skills in whatever order you want. So um, you don't say, I'm a warrior, and then go, whoa, I kind of wanted that fire spell. Oh, well, I'm a warrior. I can't get it. You can be a warrior with a fire spell or, um, you know, a, a gunslinger. We do have pistols in the game. A gunslinger who, you know, has poison skills, you know, or heals or paladin <laughs> skills, whatever you want, basically. Okay. And in one more thing that I was just thinking about. Um, say I didn't want to do combat stuff, but I did want to um, kind of explore, find my own place, and then do that. Um, how uh, how is kind of like you know like like random encounters out there? Am I running into anything that's going to force me into doing that, or or can, is it just kind of free? Yes and no. So uh, as you go further out, um, and this will slowly change as we get more enemies in the game. Um, admittedly, being an early open beta, um, there's a lot of content we still have to release: new enemies, new gear, things like that. But Right now, as you go out further, the enemies get stronger and stronger and stronger. I think the highest level enemies in the game are might be level 500. Um, but the further you go out, the resources also get slightly better. Not enough to make it where it's pointless to gather you know, near the starter town, but it, there is some incentive to go out further, right? And so if you're going out, not only do the mobs get stronger, but they start gathering in bigger packs and they start getting faster. So running away from them becomes less of an option. Um, and so, I mean... I was playing the other day trying to find the, the Mython crystals that power the technology, the technological buildings in the game are really rare. And like I said, you only get a few per pool. So once you've depleted one, you've got to kind of explore for, you know, 10, 20 minutes to find another one. And you've got to go out pretty far to even find them. Um, there's these packs of, you know, 10, 15, 20 Panthers usually <laughs> roaming around there. And so if you aren't careful, it's all about navigating. I mean, you could be a level one and go out 20,000 tiles to find the best, you know, crystal spots in the game. But you got to carefully navigate around these panthers, and if one even thinks about aggroing you, you're not going to run away. They're just way too fast, and they yeah. clump in huge packs. So we, we have to talk about something. Desert panthers? Desert panthers. Really? <laughs> not only desert panthers, but like you said, lasers. They, they shoot lasers what? at you. Yes. <laughs> so we have very unique enemies in the game. We also have tigers that breathe fire. We have golems. We have, uh, was it Shadow? Ken, Ken was responsible for this, right? With his lower level <laughs> hacking skills. Laser <laughs> panthers in the desert. And the, the goats. Oh, yeah, we also have goats. Yeah, they're very, very passive goats. They just kind of sit there chewing on the sand. Do they faint? Uh, they do if you kill them. If if I carry a goat with me, can I throw it at the laser panther before I die? <laughs> that that's the very next thing on our priority list, <laughs> right after Tron. Excellent, good. Tron, throwing get, throwing goats. Right, okay, at least you guys have your priorities on straight. They're yes. they're okay. They're all right. <laughs> our next priority is getting a Smiley Cyrus and DNA like. What was that? She's saying that people are talking about Miley Cyrus and the VMAs too much in chat. She's going to go ban them. 
that hey, somebody had to dance with Beetlejuice, and I'm glad it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a point. <laughs> do, do you know, that's he raided the prop room. I'm all I'm saying is that Robin Thicke took Beetlejuice's outfit. That's <laughs> all. All I'm saying is I didn't know Alan Thicke had a son until this weekend. <laughs> so, and yeah. Anyway, yeah. But uh, good on you, Meg. Get get those people stop to stop talking about this. It, it not a topic of conversation. Yeah, it has burned my eyes once already. Can we move on? Uh, <laughs> All right. What was uh, that? I heard her huh? yelling. <laughs> She's non sequiturs. It's always going to be oh. non sequiturs. It's oh, Meg. Good, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, I think Brian. I, John, I think it's time. No, okay. I, I think it's time for the uh, the the end game. That's right. It is the end game. Um, it's it's something we do at the end. It, we I kind of like to close it out like James Lipton closes out his actor studio, except I'm a little less classy. Um, it's a, just a, a number of questions just about you and and and, uh, and how you game and uh, and what you uh, what you'd like to hear when you die. Um, so. Before you start, uh, first before you start, uh-huh. I've got some some theme music for us. So, give me just a second to get this ready. It's going to be great. Guys, this is, this world is getting premiere. kind of bad. I like it. Yes, he actually he called Robin Thicke. So. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Okay, that's that's all. I, I just wanted on the record that that Fair music enough. is making a lot more promises than I'm going to be able to keep. <laughs> the epicness is not going to be able to keep up with the yeah. tempo at, at all. At it, all, it it's absolutely get down does. The very first question. It's Brian. It's your fault for naming it the end game. Then I, yeah. I know that's. I like to start out high and then slowly roll downhill. <laughs> um, all right. So first question um, for the two of you, Meg. Feel free to chime in if you've got an answer. Um, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Protagonist. Yep. Oh, man. Good guy, anti-hero, the person you play as in a video game. Huh. I'm going to go with Batman. <laughs> we yes. Finish. I got to go with No, no sucking up to Brian. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Link what was your answer? So we got we got one Batman. I, I said uh, Link. I'm definitely a huge Zelda fan. Okay. okay. Over here. Both acceptable. Hero. Meg can't the... decide. Meg can't decide. <laughs> okay, flipping that coin. Who's your favorite antagonist? Hmm. Q. Q. We're talking about games, not My Little Pony. They have, they have, I'm going no, Owlman. You guys are going off topic really <laughs> far. No, no, no. John, John Delancey is a perfectly acceptable answer for that. Um, oh. Wow. No. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know the rules. No, no, right. he, he was in a game. They had a, you know, it was, a, a, I've yeah. recently seen it. That it was a, it was right. a Q-based kind of like full motion video type game. I'll, I'll accept her answer. Nick, what, what's yours? I'm that go- was mine. That was Meg's. Meg's was yeah, no, no, one. that was Meg's. What's, what's he, he was in Star Trek Borg and Star Trek Online. 
We're going to mince all types of nerdery here. I'm going Thanos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, I'm I'm not going to ask you what game. Well, we have uh, Marvel vs. Capcom in the office, so we'll go with that. Okay. We have the arcade cabinets over here. So. All right. In the arcade cabinets. Excellent answer. Of course, it wouldn't be a studio <laughs> then. Jesse's going, what is it, Owlman? Yeah. I don't know if he's in a game, but... He's gotta be. Okay, Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom, okay. Fair Doctor enough. Doom, all right, all right. Okay, all right. All right. Um, what is your least favorite thing that seems completely overused in other games? Or as I like to call it, what's your least favorite trope? Hmm. Tough one. Um... If I had to pick something a little bit close to our genre, it's um, the lack of uh, exploration in uh, the other RTS browser games like Ebony and the clones of that. Uh, you got to be able to explore. I mean, plopping you down in one spot and saying build here, I hate that, but all of them do it. Hmm. Uh, mine would be FPS games that don't innovate just a little bit. Um, so you hate it when they innovate a lot? It's just, just <laughs> when they innovate a little bit, that's just detestable. Yeah. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Okay. All right, so we have lack, of, <laughs> kind of lack of innovation, and then yeah. lack of exploration. All right. All right. And then uh, Meg is as usual. <laughs> she has a slow processor. You have to don't mind her. She she has years of pleasure riding behind her. She's <laughs> fourth question. Um, it, this is kind of a it, it's a three parter. Um, I, I I'm gonna say either just because there's three of you now. Yeah. So yeah. somebody pick a favorite RTS, someone pick a favorite RP, uh, MMO, and someone pick a favorite RPG. Wow. Okay, makes says wow. Um, I mean I, I think we'll all go Age of Empires for the RTS. Alright. Kotor is good. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, I will accept those. What was the last one? Sorry, I didn't. It was it was Kotor. Oh Kotor. Yeah. Alright. I will I will accept those. Um if the three of you could do anything else, race car driver, astronaut, if you could have any other profession, what would you like to try? Hmm. I'd probably physicist, I guess. I don't know. I was studying physics before we got into programming, so hmm. I don't know. That's definitely a new one. I plan on uh, DJing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's gonna take a few steps back and like DJ bar mitzvahs, you know. <laughs> there's there's always need there's always a need for it. There's always a need for it. If you can show up and do up. the uh, do the the John Lovitz version of uh, it's Ladies <laughs> Night, that would be even better. I don't see why not. Yeah, that was Meg, different profession? Uh, psychologist. I was a uh, psychologist or writer. I thought you said you wanted to do comics. That's that's always been on my side, but I mean, I was studying psychology before I really started. Well, saying, what, what would you choose if you had to choose anything other than gaming? If I didn't have to like worry about money, definitely I'd be a comic. You should be a comic. Yeah, this is this is not worrying about anything. This is yeah. if you could just do whatever you wanted, Let's but you weren't. Yeah. If you want to go to Titan, you know, go to Titan. <laughs> so you said comics, okay? Like drawing comics or being a comic? 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I'd go with both. No, drawing comics. Drawing comics, okay. What's, what's, your, what's your favorite style? Oh, man, I wish I could, I could master the, you know, Western Jim Lee style. But for the, for the most part, I end up falling into cartoon very, you know, I, I've been reading uh, Penny Arcade and PvP since, you know, 2000. So I really kind of, as I started drawing, developed those styles. Hey, and then they got to the anime with the promo. Nice. <laughs> All right, so final question. This is kind of the downer, but it doesn't have to be. Um, at, at the end, at the end of your time on this plane, when you uh, are granted access through the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad, uh, owner of the Book of Deeds, looks over what you've done with your life, what would you like him to say to you? I would like him to say, "You have a one-up. Here you go." <laughs> <laughs> well played. Nobody's ever asked for extra life before. Nice. Okay. He has a green mushroom in his hand, and that's it. <laughs> I like that. It's good. it got all morbid in here all of a sudden. Thanks. We're, we're it, yeah, I t- you know, I told you it, it that that final countdown makes a lot more promises than I'm able to uh, <laughs> deliver on. Four minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just copying Ian's answer. <laughs> it's kind of like waking up in the morning. <laughs> I want to write a book and and have him say you own a lot of cool cats. <laughs> oh what? <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is turning into a very introspective look at like me. Like, <laughs> so how is that a, I have the answer before Jesse. A lot of cats. A lot of cats write a book. I'm just surprised you didn't check for my ticket. <laughs> you, want, you want to double check, make sure you're really supposed to be there? No, 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 no I'm, I'm getting in. <laughs> He's going to hop the fence. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for joining us again today. I uh, really enjoyed our chat. If you could just uh, send us off by telling us where and when we can get our hands on Ensemble Online. You can play Ensemble Online now for free at playensemble.com. There's a nice shiny button at the top. It'll take you right into the game, and you can register and play. Good deal. Well, thanks again, and uh, hope everything goes great with the launch. Hope the uh, no more... You know, people don't trip out as they try to venture out into the desert. Um, so, um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for being on, guys. Have a good night, and uh, we look forward to hearing more from uh, Semi Formal Studios. Bye.